Do you ever just feel like it's getting hot in here? Maybe it is. If only things could heat up a little bit quicker. Well, now they can. Experience the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to burn up in style with one of our custom-designed economy brand wall heaters. Stuffy room not included, but can be arranged at a premium price point. Call 1-800-SWEATBOX now to arrange a free installation. Courtesy of one of our hard-working staff, who we keep locked in a really big fridge in a secret location to keep them cold-blooded and desperate. If one of our team walks through your doors and aren't displaying flu-like symptoms, that's not one of our team. That's just a healthy stranger who entered your home with a wall heater under their arm. <laughs> Run! Offer available while stocks last. Get your wall heater for your stuffy room now. Find out how a candle feels and melt away in a puddle of wax from the comfort of your own bed. So call us now. That's 1-800-SWEATBOX. Hello, I'm Frankie, and I'll be your spirit guide on this journey. Today, you're tuning into the Meditations for the Anxious Mind podcast. We're joined today by Elaine Harrington, aka Temperamental Miscellaneous, a spoken word artist from Finglas. Namaste. So you boycotted the Adrian Kennedy phone show I at did. eleven, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what what was the reason for that? Well, I, I don't think I as I was saying, I don't think I consciously boycotted Adrian Kennedy. I just knew at age eleven when I was listening to it that there was something not quite right about the way it was leaving me feeling, you know what I mean? So it was then about um age seventy. Oh yeah, sorry, when I was in or around that time, I decided you know, I didn't know the term abstinence, but I decided I was going to abstain from radio, right? Mm. Ironically, here we are with two, <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. two radio mics in front of us like crazy. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, I decided, screw this, I'm not going to consume this. And then sure enough, as I was chatting to you before about TV, I let go of that as well. And I remember then when I was 17, I'd moved out of Finglas, I was living on my own. This was the first time I was homeless, dive straight into it, right? Mm. You know, the social situation. Homeless, 17, doing me leaving cert, right? Living in a woman's transitional house and wanting some comfort or some sense of home or whatever. And I remember turning on the radio for the first time in a few years, right? Adrian Kennedy phone show was on. And I remember what he was talking, he was talking about young ones that wear tan. Right? And he's talking about like Oompa Loompa and this, that, and the sort of easy stuff, you know, mm. real easy stuff, easy to denigrate. Uh, you know, tri- typically working class women who 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 adorn themselves, who who you know accessorize in certain ways, who dress themselves up in certain ways. You know, with their with their tan, and it used to be orange, and calling them rough, basically. You know, calling them using terms like scanger and you know scumbag and things like that. And for me, those are real bad tastes in the mouth. You know what I mean? So I remember hearing that and going. I remember why I boycotted this dude. I remember. I think he causes a lot of harm. I think he aggravates and he stirs and he, he, he causes a lot of damage. I don't know if it's him, if he constructs or produces all of this, but, I, you know, I think collectively that production team definitely have, you know, there's something going on there. They're always, uh, like, hijacking our culture, working class culture, ragging on fingers, ragging on people. And it happened to me when I was coming up as well in the hip hop, you know, fingless, fingless, fingless. You know what I mean? I got arrested at a protest, fingless, fingless, fingless. You know what I mean? Ragging on a whole community and a whole people. So it goes kind of deep. So I believe in the power of boycott to keep yourself clean. I believe in the power of abstinence for that reason. However, I do believe that it takes your finger off the pulse of what's going on a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So 
That's, anyway. that's God, there's so much that I want to go into there. Like, you know, just about uh, at 12 years old, the boycott Adrian Kennedy. Like, that's, uh, I think that's, that says it all about him. You know, it's like, you know, he, he would look down at people like the people you described and, and like your area and stuff like that. And, uh, but like, you know, I wonder how he'd feel about a 12 year old from Finglas, you know, knowing that this isn't right. You know, because he would obviously like I I listened to the Adrian Kennedy phone show when I was a kid, and I didn't understand why it was so bad. Yeah. Like I didn't get it. Like I, I thought it was just entertainment. Right. But I listened. I, it came up on my you know YouTube. Have you ever heard of YouTube? Boycott <laughs> 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 that, have you? <laughs> but I I went on YouTube and it came up somehow. It came up on my related videos, and I uh, so I clicked it. I was like, Jesus, this I haven't heard this in a while. And he was saying, so the, the video was called uh, Should Drug Dealers Be Executed? And he was talking about people from certain areas and all this stuff. And like all the people who called in were like, yeah, drugs are ruining my area. I think drug dealers should be hung. And all this crazy shit that, you know, wouldn't fly today at all. And he was saying like, they're scumbags, all this. And not just drug dealers, but people who take drugs as well, addicts, yeah. you know, and all oh, okay. that. Just, so victims of that, yeah, so, yeah. you know, extermination kind of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, look, you know, back in the- Eugenics. The, <laughs> back in the late 80s and the 90s, you know, I don't know too much about the history of it or whatever, but, you know, social workers and all would have done their studies on this and all. In town and stuff like that, in areas of town, maybe Ballybock and stuff like that, that there was a huge vigilante sort of mm-hmm. uh, an emphasis on, on 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 parents, concerned parents and all who did want to sort of not drive out drug addicts, but maybe it was that. I'm not, again, so down with it, but they did want to sort of uh, uh, um, protect their children from people who were unfortunately getting hooked into this um, uh, culture of selling drugs, slinging uh, gear, uh, heroin, you know, and getting people hooked on it, you know what I mean? So I, th- I believe in that as well, but I also believe in other interventions that come that so you're not just ejecting someone from society like that you're actually allowing them to rehabilitate even if they are you know like uh, uh, someone who's causing all this consternation d- destruction and pain and um, they deserve healing too now or is that too flowery i don't know what do you think I, I i i have a lot of compassion for addicts in general and, and like you know i think there's i think it's not distinguished enough between like uh you know, people who just sell drugs because they love money, which actually is an addiction as well. But then, like, you know, addicts yeah. who get, you know, they can't they can't support it anymore and they have to start selling. I think there's definitely a difference there. But uh, I think, you know, it's obviously, like most things, it started off with a noble cause and then it became something else, you know. But um, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the vigilante groups because we just had Emmett in last week, Emmett yeah. Kerwin, uh-huh. and his, uh, his, this is another promotion I give him. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have to start paying me. But uh, we were doing. Um, he has it. Yeah, not we. I had nothing to do with his play. But uh, I, I went to go see his play straight to video, and yep. it was set in a video shop in Tala during the area of the vigilante. vigilante so mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder. Like, um, I wonder is that is that sentiment still kind of echoed out there, or you know, or out in Finglas where you're from, or where I would see that sentiment echoed would be in a lot of people who I know who were maybe the um, in those communities younger and active in those communities and maybe subject to you know uh, being uh, 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 cornered by vigilantes and so on and 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 stuff and like I think they're in boxing clubs they're in social work they're in youth work now so I think they are naturally doing what I was suggesting which is what I was suggesting is a good move which is rehabilitating addressing the issue in a social way and with creativity with art with 
education, you know, we've got like, I mean, there's something one of my friends said who would, would be well in with the vigilante group and that essence of, of Irish society in terms of drug use and stuff like that. And he always says, you know, Ireland is great. You know, if there's one thing we can say that's good about Ireland, you get another bite of the cherry, as in you can go back to education, which makes me a bit suspicious about how easy it is to get higher education. You yeah. know what I mean? Not how easy it is, because I'm not trying to... I'm an access student myself, and it's not easy, because there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through and all that. But, like, it, it is accessible. You know, there are pathways. There are multiple pathways to get into higher education, and I think that's the key. But, uh, again, I can't help but be a little bit suspicious about that agenda, yeah. if you like. <laughs> me, they let me back into college as well, they so I know, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and I'm just, you know, something you were saying, I mean, um, and obviously we can edit this out, but, you know, you're saying about, like, being homeless during the leave and start, I mean, okay, I want to yeah. say, I want to say, how was that, but clearly not good. That's you know, all right, what, yeah, no, what, what isn't it? What sort of led you there? It's an important thing to ask, how was it being homeless uh, for the leave and start? Well, one, I'd say it was unusual because it was weird back then. It wasn't a common thing for someone as far as I know, uh, you know, uh, to be homeless and to continue with their leaving cert. Usually, if you become homeless, there are certain sets of uh, situations you've been in that will lead you really out of school and it will be more important for you to you know Maslow's pyramid of hierarchy. Needs, you know, you get yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? You gotta like look after your basic needs, right? So not many people will be, um, and this is not giving myself props, it's just the truth. So not many people will be able or have the resources or support to manage looking after themselves, food, shelter, etc., and balance their academic or emotional well-being as well. You know, so I was able to do that because of the support I had and because, I mean, I have faith. I believe that God was working in my life mm. 100%. You know, there's no way I'd be alive otherwise. So basically what happened was, now, just to jump ahead and I'll go back down to my story with how it was, nowadays there's much more, and I know because I'm in schools and so on, there's much more homelessness, of course there is, because there's families in hubs now, because there's, and there's, there's like asylum seekers, for example, who would be, uh, you know, living alone now and they would be, you know, um, in, in school. Right, in maybe in fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, and so on and so forth. If they're not with their family, they're solo and they're homeless and they're, you know, you know, in school. So that's a common thing now, which is sad, but it makes me feel less alone yeah. <laughs> in the past. However, it is really sad. But back then it was tough. It was really hardcore. One thing I will say is uh, my sister enrolled me into a boxing club that very same year. So I went into Corinthians Boxing Club in Ballybock and that was for me like a spiritual overhaul. That was a complementary type of education for me that coincided with traditional curriculum-based academic <laughs> education, you know, and, uh, and it moved me and it changed me and it, it did something for me physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually, right? Okay, so school was doing stuff for me in other ways. Maybe not so much, well, socially, definitely, because I came back in a different person when I was 17. I had a psyche change, if you know what yeah. I mean. So I totally transformed, came back into school and was able to nail my leave insert. Failed maths, went and yeah. repeated. Everyone fails maths. <laughs> I got an F in ordinary and then I went back and repeated <laughs> next year and I got an E and oh, I remember good. like... I remember like being afraid to open the letter yeah. and uh, I was on the phone to a friend of mine who was actually studying youth work, community work at the time as well in college. So, you know, a kind of a mentor, if you like, Tommy's his name. And I remember him, I was afraid to open the letter, you know, shoving letters in, yeah. uh, in drawers and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to open this. He says, open it here over the phone now. Just do it now. You know what I mean? Don't postpone. It's a good habit to get into. Just do it now. And I did it and I opened it and it was an E. Yeah. And I remember thinking, and he said, ah, well, Alicia, 
at least you went up a grade. And I was like, oh, okay. So it goes to show the power of doing things with someone. And that showed me the power of collaboration, of connection with another person, of mentorship, of, of, of you know, being with another person to share these things. Because, you know, like being in the Leaving Stair doing uh, in a women's transition house on my own was lonely. Being in the boxing club was whopper because it was, although it's a, you're with an opponent in the ring and you're training and you're looking after you and you're trying to up your game. And Kelly Harrington was a fourth person to give me a bloody nose, by the way. We're not related. Really? We have the same second name. We're not related. <laughs> you fourth bloody nose, Kelly Harrington. <laughs> Corinthians Boxing Club, yeah. Um, That's your claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. Um, yeah, boxing was great because it's still community community-based, even though it's an individual sport, if you get yeah. me, you know, I mean, you still have that connection with your team and that, yeah. And, and you have the people in your corner and that. this yes, is this exactly. is my lim limited knowledge on boxing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I think like, uh, I think the part that was really important about that as well is that because you went through that period of adversity, uh, you know, you can you can pass that on to somebody else who's in the same place now. And I think experience is the most important thing to have because I could I could be, you know, you you, you said you did social work now, youth work, is it? Well, I mean, I did, I, I didn't formally study that. Are you, are you looking after the academic stuff I did or? or like, you know, but are you, did general, you have a job in that for a while? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the rundown on that. Yeah, it's very relevant that you say youth work and social work because my first opportunities a decade ago back in 2010 10, 11 came from Access Ballymun, from Skills in Fingless, from Skills in Ballymun, the comp, you know, yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera. And I was taken in as what I call a snot-nosed rapper coming in and just doing workshops on hip-hop performance, confidence, writing, you name it. You know the poetry and all that, right? So you're getting people and we were getting them in the cypher or the circle, as you call it, and getting doing beatboxing workshops and, you know, little things like that to get, you know, young people uh, expressing themselves. And there's a, you know, there's a huge community of musicians, writers and poets and rappers and stuff, Ballymun and Fingless and Cabaret and surroundings all over Dublin, you know yourself. But especially like working class people and people who struggle so yeah definitely that's how I got into the youth work and stuff like that and got involved there in that social way and then I ended up doing my formal education and I've come around to working in skills like in traditional skills like so I'm in secondary skills now as an official teacher with a qualification which is kind of feels really weird because I still feel like this not nose rapper you know what I mean yeah um which is good uh, but I'm not sure how many for example teachers uh, I know there's a couple. There's one or two who would have have you know experience like real experience with with, with life. You know what I mean? Uh, homelessness maybe or whatever other adversities, as you say. You know, and I I know that, but there's not that many teachers who would be able to talk to their students who are in the midst of homelessness and say, yeah, I remember being homeless and me leaving, like, this is what I did, or this was rough, or I found this okay, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so it is really, you're, you're absolutely right that it is useful, this life experience, you know, as painful as it was, and, and it takes years to recover from homelessness, yeah. years, because then I became homeless again, uh, for a more common reason now, which is landlords deciding to sell up, like, you know. So I love landlords. Yeah, me too, aren't they great, jeez. <laughs> That's actually just like, you know, I, I have this pyramid. You said hierarchy of needs. It's like, uh, you know, it's like going to the cinema is like at the bottom and then like up, it's like getting the bus and then landlords are just at the top. <laughs> <laughs> pyramid of needs. Yeah, that's the one. Very good. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeez, but, um, I mean, I think, um, I think just being able to pass on 
your own experience is is you know it's probably you know because obviously like you said there's a recovery from homelessness and do you feel like being useful to other people and putting yourself in a role where you're you're the mentor rather than having a mentor you know do you find that that was an important part of your recovery um geez that's a good question um i guess i you know i don't see it as I see it as making myself useful or available to others. And this definitely ties in with my faith because my faith coincides, the building of my faith or me coming to God through Christ, not a popular topic, but it is a reality. So it has to be addressed. There's no point in me dancing around it because that's very unfaithful if I do that. And it's not true and it's not me. So that definitely coincided with all of those instances in my life of connecting with other people and now where I am with serving other people, particularly young people in school, that's just the mode in which I'm serving others. That's maybe where God has me, right? Well, it is because I'm here, right? <laughs> so anyway, and it feels good. It feels right and it feels natural to a degree. Uh, it's been tough, but um, yeah, I do believe that I gain from that. Of course, it serves me when I serve others. That's natural, but uh, I think... Uh, yeah, isn't the desire, um, you know, to give rather than to receive and stuff like yeah. that. You know, hip-hop is part of my recovery as well, like big time. Hip-hop is my parent, my lover, mm. my friend, my mentor, everything. That Hip-hop is a cultural movement, you know? And that's why I love the rap element of hip-hop. All elements of hip-hop are communicative in a way because they actually coincide with the physical, mental, spiritual and emotional for me. You got obviously your DJing, your b-boying, your uh, graffiti, and your rap. So yeah. rap is the one, the ver, the, you know, I'm a verbosious kind of chick. I like <laughs> the words, you know what I mean. So rap was for me from the get go. I, I used to, I used to write a lot of prose and stuff like that. And I remember hearing, I think it could have been on your SoundCloud or it could have been, I don't know how. Colleen Rue. It wasn't Colleen Rue. No, do you know what the first thing I heard was? It was you were doing a spoken word piece. And it was out in Finglas, and it was—I don't know why I keep pointing at the table here. But uh, it was—it's like we should have yeah, a map of this Finglas, is a map. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you were—you were doing a spoken word piece for uh, an elder lady, and I can't remember what it was called, but uh, I remember hearing it, and I was thinking, like, because a lot of a lot of rap would was be it, ego. Sorry, sorry, yeah, ego, absolutely. And, it's and so yours wasn't, and so true. that's what I—that's what I liked about it. So, I because I, I hadn't really heard people rap like that before, so mm. I was just drawn to it, and I was like looking up what words meant because you know I didn't understand it. <gasps> yeah, that's amazing because <laughs> people think that's real. Oh, you know, verbosious and indulgent, and it's not. It's called language. You know, I had a student the other day say, uh, you know, I want to read, but I just don't know what to read. Uh, I said, okay, so you don't know what you like to read. Okay, actually, she had initially. Said I want to have a broader vocabulary words that I had echoed when I was a bit younger as well. I said it to my mother, Mammy, how can I have a broad vocabulary like you? She's in the unions and stuff doing mm. meetings. So I'm seeing her as this kind of public figure in the unions and stuff in the game, like ESBOA for years, like and she's speaking and I want to be able to express myself like her. I want to be able to communicate. I want people, I want people to understand me less of an ego thing more of a connection thing right so for me that's why hip-hop and battling eh i can take it or leave it in that context battling forget about that 
talk to me. Like, the real battle is be vulnerable. You know, the fellas who are like, eh, miscellaneous, and when they're at electric picnics, oh, miscellaneous, eh, can I show you some rhymes? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Or spit as a rhyme or whatever. And I'm like, give me a beatbox and I'll do it. You know, make it a communication, make it a balance. You know, don't make it about power or about giving a, re- make, it a make it an exchange. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, yeah, like, so this, this thing of communicating and, and stuff like that, like, this girl, like, she, she, like me, want to be able to broaden her vocabulary. And I said, well, that's the way you do it. You reads and people used to say to me Frankie in school do you eat, did you eat a dictionary for breakfast like you know what I mean or look at you with all your big words you know what I mean and like then again you see the record sleeve and here I got my record and it's full of words because yeah. it's got graffiti by Sisto on the front of it and then of course you look at this second EP of mine I'm not plugging these they're years yeah. old I don't care honestly um, big words so I called it big words up in your face second, second class girls but, <laughs> so, uh, thank you for that so, uh, You're so for, for anyone who can't who can't see this because it's going to be uh, it's going to be audio only first um, Elaine brought me in uh, brought me in uh, a vinyl what are, oh hard my god list. what are they called they're called vinyl yeah, vinyl, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is there like a hard sleeve mm-hmm. yes yeah, that's yeah. a sleeve and the vinyl itself is, is called a record yeah yeah because I, yeah. I got a vinyl player when I was 12 but it was like a really cheap one that I only used like you know like it sounds terrible I only used it a few times and then as a 12 year old I moved on to something else you know and uh, yeah. I think it was glue <laughs> 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 But, and uh, did you come oh, that, so I actually have something I can put in this then so that's, that's deadly. deadly yeah you can yeah, play it you. excellent that's great yeah. people say oh, I have nothing to play it on I'm like please just buy it because buy it's, it. for, it's an art it's yeah. like well they're artifacts for me they're yeah. the product of my work so yeah. it really doesn't matter there's a lot of people that collect vinyl and don't have a capacity to play them especially younger people yeah. as well so the point is people want them because they're a physical thing in this digital saturated world that we live in with just everything's like technological and you can't touch it or feel it really so this is a physical thing but again yeah, like what you're we saying yeah Paul Amin <laughs> you know the poet who launched this in the Grand Social in 2014 she was like talking about the grooves and that was where the word groovy came from and just to circle back to language and that you know you're talking about looking at it was actually dominoes I was rapping a cappella for Martina Cavanaugh a lady outside my oh, nanny's in Finglas yeah. and you were saying you had to go back and look up some of the words meaning I'm so honoured that you did that I'm so happy you did that because um, I think there's power in that and it seems obvious, but sometimes the obvious stuff is where it's at. Sometimes the cliches are important. Sometimes the obvious things are where it's at. So like I used to, yes, read the dictionary, open the dictionary, have a look at some of the words, use them, insert them into prose. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did it for the, um, if you don't mind my saying, your your essay that you wrote recently, surely you went to a, you look, you Googled words or whatever, and you looked up for synonyms and synonyms, stuff like that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. everybody does that. It's normal. We want to communicate a message and we want it to be sophisticated to a degree, but I don't want to alienate people. But I think sometimes people think I alienate people, but hey, look at graffiti. Not everyone can read graffiti on a wall. You're not meant to. They're not trying to make it legible for you. It's not just about you. It's actually a lot deeper than that. So sometimes, so thank you for not being like, not having an aversion to my work because it's a little bit dense, a little bit on the dense side. I think think in general, um, like any art form in general, like with, with me, we we were talking about this before. Like if if I start making comedy or whatever you want to call it, videos that appeal to everyone, then I'm losing sense of who I am. Like not everyone is supposed to like it. Loads of people don't like it. Loads of people don't kind of get why. It, oh, there's my phone. Yikes! <laughs> when, when the phone falls, that means the government are watching. <laughs> 
but but not not everyone gets it is my point and and uh there's always going to be that and i think that's what makes things great because um you know a lot of those people I, I wouldn't, you know, generally gel. <laughs> this isn't to, uh, like, take blame away from me or try to deflect or anything. Course, but, but, yeah. but, like, a lot of those people, we wouldn't share the same sense of humor anyway. Sure. Yeah. So I think I think as long as I'm being true to who I am, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And then if people look... And that, that was... Because I fell into a trap at the start of, like, nearly tying up my identity with how how things are going you know how 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 i'm doing or how in, I'm, life? in, in my life okay. but but also like with, with my comedy stuff and so oh yeah but but i fell into the trap of doing that and then when things don't go well i'm kind of like oh fuck i thought that was gonna do well i, I think i'm i'm, uh, I'm slacking here i could be doing a lot better but uh you know i found that if I just focus, I'm sure like yourself, if I just focus on the input of it and then just leave the output, you know, like it's I'm not not worrying about what, I'm not in the results kind of business at Absolutely. all. Absolutely, you're talking, meet your sister, I'm talking about uh, DIY culture all the way and that's where my punk roots come in and inform my kind of hip hop status, if you like, you know, I yeah. love hip hop, but punk was my first love, it preceded like, well, you know, they kind of coincide with each other, you know, cultural, like certain musical genres you like. It's like, oh, you're a rocker, you're a hippie, you're a punk, cyberpunk or whatever. There was all those branches of people, uh, categories of rockers or whatever. When I used to hang around in Temple Bar at the Central Bank. Oh, you were a a banker, were you? I was a banker, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Septic Tank, we used to call it. And uh, it was actually the Temple Bar Music Centre. Come on, you're going to Music Centre. So this was 2000 now. So, you know, it would be... It would have been a very different picture to what it is now. Do people still hang around the bank? No, thing? I don't think so. <gasps> really? No, because isn't it all construction yeah. up there now? Yeah, yeah. The moment, but they did like you know. I do see kids, and I do often ask young people when it's appropriate, mainly like in a youth club settings and stuff like that. You know, do you knock around the bank? Do you go into town or whatever? You know, people ventured into town. We got the torte and me and my cousin into town, and we went to Temple Bar and. You know, it was exposure to a lot of things. And I talk about this in a few interviews as well. I remember doing a uh, story map, it was called, this thing where I'm in I'm in the bank, I'm in Temple Bar. And uh, these guys, uh, the interviewers asked me questions about what it meant in terms of my identity for hanging around the bank when we were little, you know. And, uh, you know, I graduated from that and I moved away from it and stuff like, you know. But, you know, it left, it was where you felt connection with others. You're, you're looking for connection with people. You're looking for your groups you're looking for status you're looking for acknowledgement recognition and then to tie that back into what you're saying about results from your work or who you are or how you dress or what how, what you show of yourself your identity in many ways for me I'm pure like that I'm still that punk I'm like it's a beautiful thing I don't have to mind like it's what matters to me and it's between me and God, you know what I mean? And it makes it a beautiful, precious, sweet thing. And it doesn't have to be about pomp or about prestige or nothing like that. It's about just doing what I must do. Don't you feel like you must do it? Do you feel driven by what you do, frankly? You know, you gotta do it. You just gotta do what you gotta do. And when you see it like that, or when I view it like that, it really doesn't matter because it's my, it's like a flame in my heart just firing me towards doing what I'm commanded to do by, I believe, God or by an essence that is much more important than 
status or, 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 or you know, likes. You know, it was one with like Chronics. What is it? He says, we do it for the love. We don't do it for the likes. You know what I mean? It's an artist, Chronics. Yeah. This is what he says. And I love that. I think it's yeah. just so beautifully simple, but so on point. But mind you, he's so amazing. This dude, I'm like, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. we're human too. And I yeah. want people, I want, we want to be liked, right? Don't we? Not to get into a big philosophical thing because it doesn't have to be deep and philosophical. It's straightforward. People want to be liked and loved and accepted and they want to feel safe and they want yeah. to communicate with people. They don't want to be alone, you know? And uh, so that's obviously what I'm mostly talking about in my poems and yeah. in my raps and stuff like that. As shrouded as it, as it sometimes is, that's because I also want to conceal because I, lo- I appreciate my privacy and the secrecy and the preciousness of my message or whatever, like, you know, so... I, uh, I, I remember, like... Um... Like I, I remember like when I, I think it was Colleen Rua. It was one of, it was one of your spoken word pieces. Anyway, um, I, oh, and Trot and Talisman. We were talking about that the other day, and uh, that that's another piece that I liked. And uh, I remember I'd pause it just to because I'd be missing out what the words were, and then pause it and I'd be like, oh, jeez, that's what she meant. So like you'd actually. Oh, when you'd look back at it you'd be like oh this is what you meant here and there'd be a lot of metaphors and all that sort of thing and I really I, I, I like that style of writing uh, because there wasn't always you know like there's you know it's all this talk about gangs and guns and drugs and I'm the biggest drug dealer and all that so and there's definitely like there is I think there's there's like there's a brand for that like there yeah. is like there's there's I think there's room for everyone yeah. um and um but when there's but, vun- when there's vulnerability when men who rap are vulnerable like I remember hearing we talked about lunatic before we started yeah. um I remember hearing Stacy's story yeah by lunatic. that's the first thing I've ever heard by him yeah and you know, I, I, I was introduced to working class records, to Costello, G.I., Neil Dialect. I viewed him as separate from those guys, but they were connected, right? They were communicating and they were doing their thing, collaborating and so on and so forth. But, um, and I remember, you know, like in my circle in Finglas, there'd been connections to, like everyone knows everyone. Everyone is everyone's cousin, do you get me? Like, you know, <laughs> um, but like, so every like Finglas, Ballymun, huge connections. And there was connections with, um, for real, who I call Mousy, from when I was 13, going down the West, venturing from the East to the yeah. West, the Nest, as you called it. Never heard of that <laughs> nickname for, for the Finglas East. But anyway, uh, when I ventured from the East to the West, before I, you know, started knocking around town and stuff, we used to go to Finglas West, we'd knock around, and it was a big deal to connect with people, even from the other side of your own town. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Because so, Finglas is huge. Finglas is massive, you know what I mean? So there's, obviously you're going to have a lot of variety there. So that was, a, you know, I had the crossovers of punk and hip hop, and then years later, you know, having the psyche change. And also I'm straight edge, so meet your sister. I'm mm. straight edge years. Like I went straight edge when I was 17. So that's a decide. That's young. That's young. And that is connected to again this whole punk ethic this subculture of punk of uh, deciding no I'm not going to get rallied and, 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 and use drink and drugs and just be wild and violent yeah. or whatever and even some straight edge people abstain from caffeine or promiscuous sex and so on and so forth so there's whole there's like layers in my story you know connected to those kind of things as well where I address issues in my own personal life and my professional life as in what I write about and what I reveal and things that have come out in shows I've done or discussions I've had you know and then what I would say to people when I'm in discussion and stuff like that when I'm working with others in a collaborative way how we'd write what message we'd decide we'd we'd fix on 
But like, I think it's important just being aware of, you know, like abstinence again, boycott, deciding I'm going to be straight edge. But I was often doing these things solo, Frankie, you know what I mean? So I call myself like a lone wolf in many ways. And then, so when I was with Working Class Records initially, I remember then venturing away after we supported Wu-Tang Clan. I remember being like, oh, like it was just such a male dominated scenario. Nothing wrong with that. But again, we're talking about ego, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with ego. But for me, it wasn't healthy for me. Because I was on my own worse in that situation than if I was on my own, on my own. Do you know what I mean? I get so you. So you I- felt like you were getting brought into something that you would have preferred not to... Like you would have preferred to kind of go in a different direction. Yeah, and that's only because, not because they weren't cool guys, I didn't respect everything that they were spitting, m- mainly, mostly, but... A straight edge chick. I had different a different message. It's, it's probably a hard place to be mm-hmm. straight. I'd like any kind yeah. of rap gigs. Because they talk about Mary Jane and stuff like that. And if I'm working with the youth, I I can't be talking about Mary Jane because I first of all I I, I don't believe in marijuana. I believe marijuana has done a lot of damage to our collective community. I really believe it's still really impacting um, young people. You know what I mean? And I don't, like, I mean, again, I you know, it's controversial, but that's my standing and that's what I see and that's my reality. So, you know, I wouldn't rag on anyone's message, but again, I can't, how can it coincide with my message of abstinence? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So, um, well, you have your own voice and, and you know, it's, it's kind of on you to to put that message message out whatever it is whether it be controversial or not absolutely because people are going to be looking at you and people some people are some people might look up to you yeah you know especially if you're walking in and around young people yeah so um yeah just like with then just to talk about the drill just in terms of ego what you're mentioning about certain styles i do believe yeah there's a place for that and i believe it's wonderful to see the, the trap and the drill essence of hip-hop um, coming to fruition to a point where it's like young people are making music videos and they're all together and they're like Wu-Tang back in the day in the videos they're all like oh like but there's something wrong with some of the things they're saying not that it's wrong like because I'm not quite sure it's coming from their heart when they're talking about things hypersexualization, denigrating women and so on and so forth. I'm not quite sure that's coming from a pure place. Not that everything has to come from a pure place because uh, some things in my songs I'm ragging on systems and certain things and maybe individuals in a very covert what we call a uh, dissing way but it's in, it's, it's, it's artful so it's allowed, you know, it's subtle but there are things that I worry about in terms of the young so even though they're together, they're doing their music video, it feels like it's about flashness and flexing and that is dangerous, what they're saying and what they're doing. And they're excluding people, particularly young women. Now, but it is great because you see some young women coming up and they're talking about, maybe they might be talking about sexuality or their experience. You know, I'd love to see them talking about consent and stuff like that as well, you know, rather than just, I don't know, like... Stuff that has no depth and weight and that is uh, harmful, actually. What what pisses me off kind of about drill music, and I don't really care about it or whatever, and, and there's some really talented people, but what, what I don't like is when Irish drill artists start using English accents. That's a whole other thing, that- yeah. That's <laughs> an, again, it links with identity. Yeah. Now, you know, and, and, and there's a, a, an amazing MC that I love, Cannon. I love him because I just... 
I love what he's doing and he talks about this recently he's spoken about accents like let people speak let people rap with British accents if they want to let them I used to spit with a British accent when I was just getting buying hip hop magazine yeah. now Tower Records you yeah. know and you know it was, used to be UK hip hop and you'd get like a one extra free CD and I'd be listening to you know English rappers yeah who did you like? Uh, Excalibur, I think it was yeah, called. Yeah. Excalibur, uh, n- not the arsonists. Like, geez, that they're an American. Cre- arsonists are so dope. Um, they'll come to me when they yeah. come to me. I'll, I'll drop it in. But yeah, uh, anything in, in in those free CDs, like Metal Hammer. I used to get Metal Hammer. You get a free oh, yeah, CD. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, that's how I got into Queens of the Stone Age. You know what I mean? So you get this variety. But anyway, again, fantastic lyrics. Uh, on a side note, like Josh Homme lyrics, yeah, yeah. Corey Taylor, yeah. Slipknot. One of the yeah, again. Lyric wise, he totally rap. That album, that first album, is rap. Like so, mm. it wasn't just pure like uh, uh, focused on 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 hip hop for my consumption of you know lyric or, or you know the verbal or whatever. But Corey Taylor is an amazing rapper, like and um, master of words and writer and stuff like that. But again, like with the drill and with the tr- like that vibe, that aggro. You know what I mean? New Mel has that. Mel has yeah. that. So yeah. why are we ragging on hip hop? Yeah. And then just to, to circle back, like about to, that's one point about it as well. Why why are we just like ragging on hip hop, even though other music genres are quite aggro and do, aggressive? Do you know, I, I, I feel like uh, people don't like anything that's novel, and and hip hop, as far as it goes back, we were talking about you know Scary Era and Re Raw kind of would have yeah. been the start of it, mm-hmm. and uh, that would have been what like the would it be the early nineties, mid nineties or something? Late eighties, probably nineties. Yeah, 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 that far back. Yeah, and um, so like you know, as far as genres of music go, that's still quite new, and uh, I feel like everything now and for the last where since the 60s you know since I'm like I'm like 58 now <laughs> uh, like uh, uh, like everything in this country is kind of being Americanized. if you walk outside where we are without giving away our, our location um, because that's how important I am um, like uh, there's a Starbucks there's you know everywhere is franchised yeah. and I feel like uh, rap music and, and music in general is kind of an offshoot of that which Definitely. is uh, actually why I love Gemma Dunleavy as well yeah. uh, because she'll sing in her own accent yes and uh, I think it's refreshing to see that because it's it's people don't like like I, I, I joke about people uh, kind of rapping in British accents or American accents if they're Irish but you never see anyone uh, taking the piss out of an Irish person who's singing in an English accent or an American accent so there is that double standard but I think uh, I think you know through people we spoke about like working class records and yourself I think people will get to appreciate it more hopefully and like like in in a similar like a parallel to my own situation uh with with comedy there's always going to be that a percentage of people it doesn't matter what you do it's not going to be for them they're not going to like it but you know you don't want to be if you you'll turn into the algorithm then you know it's like what's what's the most palatable for like format of myself that i can present to people here and you lose yourself in that i almost sorry to interject i almost automatically don't like that because i sense that immediately and i almost don't like it because it's cardboard right so that's why like what you do i would be afraid to listen to something that you do initially yeah until i listen to it and i know that it's real because I'd be afraid it'd be like a demo and Ivor thing, yeah. right? Which is so damaging. Yeah, it's been so damaging to like travelers, working class culture, you name it. And like, but what you do, and I was chatting to my cousin saying, we're having a chat on Wednesday, me and this Frankie McNamara guy. What do you think about these meditations of the anxious yeah, mind, yeah, right? Yeah. He says, uh, 
I like him. He's not degrading. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah. That, it's like, thank you for not degrading working class people. Isn't <laughs> yeah, that terrible yeah. that we have to be that Isn't slave? That, yeah, it, it shouldn't even be a thing, you know? Yeah. And, um, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, I... I, I don't want it at the same time. Like, I kind of take... I take the piss out of everyone, but I don't go for, like, the lazy joke. You know, like, I feel like... Uh, I, I feel like, in general, like, you know... You, you should be able to kind of joke about most things, but there's some things just on a personal level that I won't joke about. And that's not because I don't think, you know, you can, but because it wouldn't jive with my own personal feelings yeah. about you're, things. Yeah, you're, you're very... You're... You are a craftsman, you know, you're oh, crafting. You. <laughs> I no, like that. <laughs> you, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it shows what you're doing. You are crafting. You obviously put a lot of work in. There's no doubt about it. A lot of it is probably natural. However, the way you tailor things is quite beautiful and artistic. Like, oh, so res- no respect, you know, big time. Look, I'm not saying, oh, you know, like I'm, my opinion matters, but I am a hard to please in terms of comedy. Like I'm like Bill Hicks. George Carlin yeah. that's oh, it. I love real George big drop Carlin. off after you listen to Bill Hicks yeah. you know I remember listening to Billy Connolly after I, I used to be yeah. fun at Billy Hall yeah. or Billy uh, Connolly and who's the guy who used to sweat like mad oh, uh, Lee Evans uh, Lee Evans Lee yeah, Evans yeah, 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 yeah okay so that, that was my year that yeah, giving away yeah. my age here but uh, <laughs> then when I heard Bill Hicks flying saucer tour uh, I think it was about 15, 15 I didn't hear it we were playing it from a set in the background Tom O'Brien was playing I didn't hear it right then later on I was about 19 after the psyche change my sister plays revelations and i'm like oh, and i just fall in love and then i can't believe he's dead i'm like yeah. no it's terrible you agree you grieve I, I had the same i had the same thing with bill hicks i, I remember hearing oh, i'm gonna butcher the joke now but he had some joke saying like oh, i'm in the unenviable wow great start isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> but he said oh, i'm in the unenviable position of being against the troops but for the war yeah <laughs> yes. I just thought that was so funny and I think that like I, I think uh, to be able to say something so concise takes a real genius like because it's just I think that's that's what not like like you said like not that I'm some fucking like uh, that I'm some uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but like I think I think uh, to be able to say something so concise like that and to say like to speak in paradoxes Oscar Wilde was like that who's my favourite writer of all time and um he was able to convey a truth through a paradox. And sometimes, like, I, like that's now I always get it wrong, but, like, I try to do that. And, uh, you I know, know you I, do. yeah, and I love, I love, um, like, the writing is my favorite part rather than performing. All that stuff is really? kind of a byproduct. Right. My favorite is the writing. I, yeah. I, yeah, I can tell. That's, that's, that's actually apparent as, as, well packaged as it is, you know, you got your stamp on things it's apparent to someone who writes that you've been scripting and someone else gave feedback on your work there to me the other day when I was chatting and they were like, I like that he doesn't, and he was guessing, read his script beforehand. But I know you write your script, right? So to a degree, it's bet into you anyway. But do you allow a little, just to to answer to my friend's uh, um, interpretation of the way you execute your work when you perform it, are you reading from a script like a newsreel or are you doing it off by heart or are you reading it like his five-year-old sister on purpose? Now, he said that in a complimentary (laughs) way. (laughs) His name is 
uh, his name is Paddy, by the way. Is it? Yeah, I, I did. I actually, that I imagine. It's like, no, it really put so much work into. <laughs> but that's beautiful. But, but isn't yeah. that beautiful? Yeah, yeah. Now, Paddy, uh, hi, Paddy. Um, I'm Frankie. Uh, how are you? What's going on, man? But um, God, I can't remember what the fuck we were talking. We were about. talking about the writing style, and then yeah. I brought it into the fact of your method of executing it in that deadpan way, yeah, yeah. which is interesting because. Like a lot of rappers actually use this monotone style as well, and you get away with it a little bit more than you'd get away with having a monotone, monotone or deadpan like uh, uh, execution in theater, if you like, or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or in yeah, film yeah. or whatever. You know. So I, I actually like it because I think it, it allows the content to shine through because there's no fakery and there's there's less nuance. And it just, it keeps you focused on the content. So the yeah. writing is allowed to shine through based on the, uh, you know, the moves you've made to, to execute it in that, in that monotone way. I think it's good. Yeah. The package is beautiful and all. And uh, I think he meant that in a great, co- in, in a yeah, complimentary yeah, yeah. way. Yeah, I took it as a compliment. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I, I think uh, part, part of the deadpan thing is like, uh, I, I started leaning into it. Like it wasn't always as deadpan. I started off doing the reason why it's called meditation for the anxious mind is because like I, I, I've been meditating for a few years now and that sounds like a brag it's not, <laughs> no. it's not meant as a brag Good at all you. it's like uh, yeah yeah thank you <laughs> like, hey. compliment me again <laughs> but uh, I, I, um, I've been doing that and I noticed I'd listen to YouTube meditations and like just uh, we spoke about this before but like I thought like the spirit guides are probably like the worst people on earth like in real life and so I just leaned into that and I started writing my own meditations and uh, all that that sort of stuff so that's how it started off we did like long form meditations then it became something else um, like once I started getting a following I think my favourite part about that was that I was able to actually talk about things that maybe aren't that funny <laughs> you know just things that I want to talk about yeah. you know and, and I think that's that's what is being good about it but um, I, I, I'd love to hear you You were talking about you have a, a spoken word piece that you'd like to perform oh jeez Louise um, oh my goodness if, if you wouldn't mind I'd love yeah, to hear it in the spirit of the young people that basically read all their raps off their phone, I'm going to that follow I'm suit. Doing the same, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So this is a piece called Born and Bred. It's an acapella of an actual rap. I just recently put out a music video for it there. And I wrote it in 2014. And the original work is produced musically by a guy called Mike Larry Draw. But today I'll read this as a spoken word, if you like, or an acapella. The queerest of theories, my alter ego's voice broke. Seventeen, straight edge, but my masculine wants a toke. The score, the deal, the sus, the scoop, the lick. I'm too good for this prison. My temperamental's getting thick within me. Who could possibly defend me? Little runnings with the law now seem like Mark and Mindy. Can't rid myself of this host in spite of all the TCP I could drink. Prostituting warp bonds, loving to hate rat finks. Violent instigator shiners and Monday blues. Blackjacks and fruit salads to swallow a spit you choose. Bleach bars for fast parts, parameters I built. Fast claps for bitchin' brats, no foliage yet to wilt. Jaded pre-period with garnished forearms. Pseudocrum kisses and lucky charms. Twitching protein for the ink, the needle prick cons. Thrashing rooms just to think, font pseudonym, self-harm. Trading snaps for fingers or rather punches for palms. 
Dharma boom of the pure stream, hell bound and concrete damned. Fjungless to homeless, belly ache scorn. Too self righteous and stubborn to wish I'd never been born. Hijacking bunya curtains, elder sister flinching and starting. Eco socialist protector, punk lolita never pardoning. Runaway rubbing shoulders with the chaos, home sweet home. Begging for a beatbox, yellow grips and chrome. Hide and seek with the yola to inherit the microphone. 24th of the 1st, 2005, a valuable lesson I learned, you need to die to survive. Not of the body, no harm to your physical self. Put my ill ways to rest, cashed in on spiritual wealth. So there's a universal plot that kept keeping me on. Not too many share this feeling except for this young one. Miscellaneous, rarity, not many around. She asks, who are you was scared to be once lost, now found? Dwelling inside me, I realize to him, she sits next to the resident opposite sex twin. TM and Miss E, personal nicknames for scales. Maintain train of thought when they're creator derails power combined they negotiate on where i'm supposed to be more oft i decline boast throw my weight once blind now see owning two shadows one to guide the other to haunt the shadow of a person in the miscellany middle to front my facade wasn't too difficult to tame the challenge still resides in an attempt to numb pain or maintain this hip-hop shiva fed and swallowed me whole infatuated the fixation had me bought and sold put him out his misery in one fell breath i'll rhyme at the moon let him hell him sell himself to death look at you yourself and them you've adopted a different method you took issue with how your attitude had brewed wretched bet you reflected your sense of self is resurrected divine inspiration waited and then interjected and memories are no longer treats I was growing pains in the darkness to know the pleasure of the light. Choosing to go out of control is a form of control. A boycott for self-preservation and moral advocacy. Ask my heart to give my mind a straight answer and tell my ego to quench my soul. Smacking pursuit. Deceit dependable. Christ adjusted. Torment susceptible. No prize in winning. Little leaves last longest. Eat your hat. Expect abundantly. Chew the could, would and will. Regular spontaneity. State the obvious. Don't live it. Trick the jester into true foolishness. Kiss mathematically. Bruise fondling from splinter to blood brother. The sweetest tether. <laughs> Thank oh, you. that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I don't think I heard that one before. Yeah, oh, born, and, born and Bred. Born and Bred, yeah. yeah, And that is on you, YouTube. That's correct. You can see it on YouTube. It's on SoundCloud as well, or Bandcamp. And you're always welcome to make a purchase because that, of course, helps me because I'm independent all the way, always have been. And uh, yeah, so you can find it on those platforms or just go over to Instagram, follow me. I'm private, so just request to follow me if you so wish. What, what's your Instagram account? Instagram is at TM Miscellaneous on Instagram. Just, you, you know, if you Google female rapper Dublin there's a lot of other rappers that will yeah. come up now and I'm glad a lot of other female yeah. rappers will come up in your search it used to just be like me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, but you'll see me find a picture of me click on it or whatever you yeah. know but Instagram miscellaneous and uh, yeah you'll see the video there as well brilliant yeah well look thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it take a long slow deep breath while standing or sitting or even leaning with your back against the wall like you're sleeping in a really dodgy hostel. Be still. Be aware of your feet on the floor and the runners under your pillow. Close your eyes. Scanning your entire body up and down from your toes to the top of your head. Scan your body 
and make sure there's no tiny little man in there screaming, Let me out! Well done. Keep scanning your body now. Now, scan for the Garda. They could be anywhere. They say one in five people on planet Earth are Garda. So if you're out with four of your friends and they catch you smoking a joint, they'll all jump on you because your four friends are Garda and you're a dirty criminal who deserves the immediate and brutal vigor of a full Irish justice. Picture yourself as a curly whirly that melted in the pocket of a construction worker. Picture yourself as the curly whirly moments before it ends up in a builder's mouth. <laughs> know the terror. Be the terror. Breathe deep. <laughs> Breathe deep once more. And back in the room. As you inhale and exhale. Breathe deep into your chest. Visualize your sternum as a kitchen sink that's filling up with fairy liquid. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm Frankie, and today you've tuned into Meditations for the Anxious Mind. Namaste.